Welcome to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. I'm your host, Mike Hill, and I'll be leading you on this adventure. We'll be getting into deep discussions about classic records, profiles on up-and-coming bands, and interviews with your favorite artists. You can check out new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. Hey guys, hope you're all well. Before we get started, I just want to thank everyone who's been listening to the show and who has left uh, such great comments on iTunes. I really appreciate all that. And um, I have to say, I get a little choked up, man. Thanks for listening, and thanks for all the support. And uh, also, I want to mention that uh, I have a show on Gimme Radio, a DJ show called The Sacred and Profane. It comes out uh, twice a month. Uh, Is that bi-monthly? I don't know. Anyway, it comes out twice a month. Now, on to today's show. Randy and I are going to talk about Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell. Now, make no mistake about it. I agree that the first four Sabbath records are untouchable. And pretty much all of our favorite bands owe a lot to those first four records. And Randy and I talk about that in this episode. With that said, I still think that Heaven and Hell is a classic record. And this is what we got to say about it. What was the first thing by Black Sabbath that you've heard ever in your life? I'd probably have to say Iron Man. You want to know what I first heard? I do. Neon Knights off of the uh, Heaven and Hell album. Wow. I didn't even know about Ozzy at all until, uh, you know, well after my familiarity with Sabbath. Well, yeah, I had the opposite. I was a big Ozzy fan and I didn't know Black Sabbath existed. Really? Yeah. Oh, so you were into like Blizzard of Oz and like, oh, you know, okay. Oh, to a, to a See, this creepy is where level. The, the, yeah. This is where like the few years in our gap in our age comes in, I think, a little bit. Yeah. like, yeah, sure. you know, you're a couple years younger than me. So, yep. but yeah, I, I heard um, Heaven and Hell first. Interesting. By Sabbath. And I thought like, okay, cool. It's like this band, you know, I was familiar with Deep Purple and I was familiar with, um, you know, Rainbow and stuff like that. So yep. to me... Hearing Heaven and Hell with Ronnie Dio singing was like, you know, I'm like, all right, cool, I can understand this. I get I get it. It made sense. Yeah. And then I remember one summer, this kid played me, uh, We Sold Our Souls for Rock and Roll, which features, you know, track Iron Man. Yes. Which I didn't know was the greatest hits record at the time. Right. And I was like, wait, this isn't the Sabbath I know. This is like some other stuff with this dude singing who sounds like he's some guy that walked in off the street <laughs> to like yelling to this microphone for a while you know what i mean not quite the vocal prowess of a ronnie james dio right right but you know i i rec i recognize those first four sabbath records as these uh monumental you know sort of events in heavy metal history you know what i mean i back that yeah and, and they're classic they're untouchable Absolutely untouchable. And maybe at a, at a later date, we'll pick one or two of those records to explore. I think we have to. Yeah. You know. But for today, for this week's classic records episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath. Now, some of you guys out there might not agree with me on this, but I think this is a classic record. No doubt. Yeah. 
you know. I think now uh, that it's uh, the end, the close, we're closing. Well, while we record this, it's still 2018. So when this rec- this um, episode airs, it's going to be 2019. But you know, we're well into the 21st century, and I feel like with uh, you know the last few decades, people appreciate the Dio era of Sabbath more than they did maybe back in 1980 when this record came out. I was one of those guys for years who was like, Ozzy's not on it. I don't care. And, and rightly so. Cause I mean, if you think about it, when you have a new singer, that's like a pretty big step, man. It's <laughs> that's a change. Huge. huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the only other band that comes to mind is, uh, that can change singers is black flag. Yeah. That you was know? for the better. Yeah, but but even at every everyone has their own favorite guy that sings in Black Flag. You know what I mean? There's like the Des Kadena guys, there's the Keith Morris guys, there's Ron Reyes guys, there's Rollins guys. I got a name for those kind of people, but I'll keep it to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can but, appreciate yeah. I can appreciate each one of those singers sure on their own uh and as part of the story that unfolds with Black Flag. But, you know, I definitely have my favorites. You know Same what I mean? here. And I'm not going to say that Ronnie James Dio is my favorite Sabbath singer because I do think that the most hard-hitting material by Black Sabbath war- was the material they did with Ozzy. But I still think that um, his contribution to the band uh, was, was pretty, pretty monumental, if you think about it. And, you, know, you have Ozzy singing with his thing, and then you have Ronnie Dio who steps in Fresh off of his uh, stint with uh, Ronnie, uh, with uh, Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, yep, to become the new singer of a well-established band with a massive following, and uh, to step up and put his mark on the band the way he did, I think is uh, needs to be recognized. I agree, man. I still have some friends, close friends of mine, that still don't they don't fuck with the Ronnie James Dio stuff, man. They are purists. They won't even they don't want to hear it. They just don't want to hear it. Where I've got over that, and I've, I'm a huge fan of the everything he did with Sabbath. I like the three records he did under the Sabbath name, and I love the Heaven and Hell record. Oh yeah, the, the, band, the band Heaven and Hell, right? Yeah. Which you know they did uh, in 2007 or eight or whatever it was. Yeah, I think so, those are the four records he recorded. You know, with with Sabbath, and I think they're all great. This, however, is the best. Yeah, no, I agree with that for sure. That's why we're talking about it. That's right. So Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath is their ninth studio record, released on April 25th, 1980, recorded October 1979 to January 1980. So they finished recording in 1980 in January, and in April the record came out. It's a nice little turnaround. Yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, Running time of... 39 minutes, 46 seconds, recorded at Criteria Recording Studios, Miami, Florida, and Studio Ferber, Paris, France. Yep. Produced by Martin Birch. They had two singles, Neon Nights and Die Young. And as I mentioned before, it's their first record to to, uh, feature the American singer, Ronnie James Dio. Let me ask you a question. Not having, say you didn't hear that first, that wasn't your first introduction to Sabbath. Okay. Say you heard uh, the Ozzy years first. You never even knew Dia was in Sabbath. If someone played you 
Heaven and Hell. Would you have any clue that it's Black Sabbath? No. Me neither. They sound like two different bands. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's, let's put it this way. So Sabbath, when I first heard them, it took me a while to even figure out if I liked them or not. I got to be <laughs> honest with you. Because it was the same thing with Black Flag. You know, I hold Black Flag and Black Sabbath to have equal weight to me. Me too. Because they're both bands that are not easy to listen to in some ways. You know what I mean? Would you say that's your two favorite bands? <sighs> yes. Me too. Because they've been with me throughout my life the longest, I think, out of any other band. Right. And, and to this day, I will put those records on and I'll enjoy them thoroughly. I can never see a time in my life where I'm like, I don't want to listen to My War or I don't want to listen to Volume 4. It's yeah. never going to happen. Yeah, Slayer is in there too. Like Slayer is like sure. maybe the second tier, you know, bands for me. Yeah. You know, and then there's everything else. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but uh, yeah, when I, when I first heard that that summer night when I heard we sold our souls for rock and roll, I was horrified at first because I was like, <laughs> I don't, I didn't even know if I. It made me feel like I, uncomfortable and I, I got scared and uh, uneasy and like all these feelings and um, I wasn't sure if it was something I'd I'd liked because I was from I heard Heaven and Hell first, which had this like. You know, very clean, um, punchy. Like I, I knew my mind understood. I understood how to think about that record. Right. Okay. It was within the vocabulary of music that I was familiar with at the time. Right. But when I heard the Ozzy era, I was like, this was like, they were not coloring within the lines. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. There was these, you know, crazy guitar tones and these scary lyrics and like. Even the imagery on we sold, and I'm using we sold our souls for rock and roll because that was the record I was you know messing around with at the time. You know, you open it up and there's like this like coffin with like this dead woman in there, and yes. it's like you know like very much like Hammer horror, you know, all this yeah. kind of stuff I loved, but I still didn't know if I liked Black Sabbath. So your question was if I'd heard that first and then I heard Dio, what I, like, how would I feel? I'd be like, yeah, they're apples and oranges. They are totally apples and oranges. Right. But I'm also going to say that the common factor between both bands is that Tony Iommi was like at the, the controls. Like he was the, the skipper of this whole you know ship. You know what I mean? Right. And, and I think that in, I guess I'll, I'll even go out to say that like, more so than a, a Black Sabbath fan, I'm a Tony Iommi fan. You know what I'm trying to say? Uh, yeah, man. He, he's probably my favorite guitar player. You follow me when I, when I say uh, that? <laughs> following right. you. I'm right behind you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's probably my favorite guitar player, man. I mean, and arguably, people have different takes on this. If it wasn't for Tony Iommi writing some of those riffs and early Sabbath stuff, a lot of people say that's, I mean, obviously where metal came from. But yeah. Punk and hardcore also borrowed heavily. I mean, listen to My War. Yeah, well, dude. Yeah, you know, like rest all, my case. Yeah, I mean, my and that anything and even honestly, even um, it's funny to tie that together. That uh, if you listen to In My Head by um, by Black Flag, yep, a record that we probably should talk about at some point too. Uh, a great one. That's a, once again a, um, a record most people hate. Yes, that's why know? we should talk about. That's it. Why we should talk about it? <laughs> but. Um, I remember reading in uh, one of the Rollins journals that Greg Ginn actually was a being, I mean, with with Spot, the producer, they were right. a being this record with the mix of in my head. 
because they wanted this record. They wanted in my head to sound like Heaven and Hell. Oh, cool. I never heard that. Yeah. And you can kind of see sonically how there's similarities between the two records. Sure. You know, I mean, obviously one record cost, you know, hundreds of million, maybe who knows? Who knows what they spent on it? Right. And the other one was done on a shoestring budget. So obviously (laughs) there was like a difference there. They gave Spot like 20 bucks, (laughs) some coffee. But, but yeah, that's, um, you know, similar, another similarity too is like Greg Ginn, Black Flag, Tony Iommi, Black Sabbath. Both guys are the masters of those bands. I agree. Multiple singers. The band went through a, you know, a variety of different experimental phases, different sounds. I mean, even Sabbath, like you got the, the first four triumphant Sabbath records, you know, which are different. They never say die, technical ecstasy, and those records too. Those are like yeah. they're going out on a limb. Yeah, you man, know? taking some chances. Yeah, uh, I believe doesn't uh, shit. Is it Giza? Was a Giza Butler or Bill Ward actually sings on one of the songs on technical ecstasy? I'll have to check up on I that. But yeah, I know yeah, Ozzy doesn't sing. On they're taking some chances. Yeah, yeah. And uh, through some of the reading that I've done, apparently Ozzy wasn't too happy about this stuff. You know what I mean? He he preferred the more hard rocking version of the band. He didn't really like the experimentation. He wanted to kind of get back to basics and do something, you know, a little more straightforward. And that right. was one of the contributing factors to him leaving Black Sabbath based on the information that I have. You know, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure there's pre- a lot more to that story, but yeah, I'll go with that. You know, and then if you look at the other side, because I, I read the, the uh, Iomi, um, Biography, yeah, I read that too. Iron Man. Yep, I read. They're that talking too. about just like how out of control Ozzy was. Why, you know, right? Which I, that's easy for me to envision that also happening. Yeah, so that that led to some of the you know problems as well with uh, Ozzy leaving the band. It was just like his rampant, you know, descent into uh, right drugs and alcohol abuse. Uh, <laughs> And then later on, Ozzy came came back and he says, yes, I, he does believe that some of that did contribute to him leaving the band. That was nice of him. Yeah, so he's conceded that point. You know? <laughs> but apparently, Bill Ward and Geezer Butler also were going through a lot of turmoil and the, there was chaos, apparently. When they, were, when they made this record, the band was in chaos, apparently. And, uh, and that's what makes this record even cooler is the fact that Tony Iommi was able to hold this whole thing together and make one of their best albums. Yeah, it certainly doesn't sound like a record that was made under those, uh, under that, <laughs> under those uh, you know, that circumstance. It, it, uh, it seems like a very tight, very concise record. It does not seem like a lot of debauchery going on in the studio. Yeah, Bill Ward was, um, was dealing with personal issues, quote-unquote, and Geezer Butler was was in the middle of getting divorced, so there was all this like uh, you know turmoil, and I'm sure some of Bill Ward's personal issues probably had to do with you know alcoholism and like some of his deteriorating health and all that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah, because ultimately he did leave the band. Yeah, he did. Yeah, for good, pretty much for good. You know, he came back, but not yeah, decades later. Yeah, not for much recording. Yeah. Right. You know. Um. So. There was like a, uh, you know, the pre-production of this record, there was like a bunch of different hands involved in that. You know, there was like different guys playing. Um, they had a couple of different, actually Dio played bass on some of the early demos. 
Now that I never heard. <laughs> yeah. Really? Because Dio is a bass player. All right. D- Ronnie James Dio, before he was in Blake Black Sabbath, was in obviously Rain- Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, where he was the vocalist. Prior to that, he was in a band called Elf. Right. I've where heard he Elf. sang and played bass. I do- you're blowing my mind. Yeah. I have the Elf record. I yes. had no clue he played bass and sang. In that Maybe band. not and sang, but he played bass on some of the recorded material. That, yeah. makes, that makes him even fucking cooler. Exactly, man. You know? So, originally, Dio and Tony Iommi, they had they met at like the Rainbow Grill in LA. You know? Hot spot for <laughs> yeah. rock stars and porn people and, you know, cool, cool, you know, LA types. You know what I mean? Sure. So, they discussed actually doing a side project together. Actually, Sharon Osbourne is the one who introduced Dio... To Tony Iommi. Which is ironic. Great. Yeah. Ironic. Crazy. Yeah. 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 So they, they had discussed like doing something together. And um, and then it turned into Dio being the new singer. Because, you know, he was looking for a band. Right. And Iommi was looking for a singer. Right. So there you go. It's like uh, chocolate and peanut butter. <laughs> <laughs> and if you don't like that, then. Yeah. During the demo process, they drafted Jeff Nichols to play bass. He plays on some of the demos. And he stayed on in the band as the keyboard player. Um, then there's also this guy, Craig Gruber, who was in Elf and also in Rainbow. And he claims to have written most of the bass lines on the album. Really? Yeah. So I guess he, he had you know, some part in the demoing of this record and some of the songwriting. All right, hold on. <laughs> You're telling me this guy yeah, wrote... <laughs> Geezer's bass lines? That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is this, okay? Gruber claims this, okay? <laughs> Tony Iommi confirms that they recorded the album, not just the demo with him, the album with Gruber playing bass, okay? Okay. But then Geezer Butler came back into the fold and re recorded the bass lines. And Butler, Butler claimed to not have listened to to Gruber's bass playing on the record. Now, you be the judge of that statement. I already judged it. What do you think? I think Geezer went in there and just laid his shit down. I didn't think he listened to this. Okay. Grubber. Yeah. Let me, let me just... That's interesting. I, uh, you know, I'm a big Geezer oh, fan. Oh, me too. Being a guy who tries to play bass... Fuck yeah, man. I'm not going to say I'm a bass player. No, you're a bass player, dude. <laughs> I try. I, I, I own one. I'm a big, you know, big fan. I mean, hey, man, anything's possible. I I don't see the need for him to do that, you know? I, I don't know why he would do that. So I'm going to say he didn't do that. I'm going to say he just went in there and just knocked it out. Just knocked it out. Probably in like a, a couple hours. I'm going to say that it probably didn't take long to, to record the bass lines on this record. Because, all right, all right now, the general, all right, that Heaven and Hell sounds like a, a guitar player wrote the entire album. Uh, is this opinion formed? I have to ask this question from the bass line that's being played at yes. the beginning of the song "Heaven and Hell." Um, it's the basic performances of all the bass on the record. I think it sounds it, like it's pretty by the books. It sounds yeah. It's, to me, it feels like Iommi sat down and just re- re- wrote all the songs on guitar, and that's it, yeah. with no thought <laughs> to having any kind of groovy bass lines on there. I, I, yeah, uh, yeah. 
I can't disagree with that. Because, you know, the earlier Sabbath stuff, I mean, you listen to the first album, you listen to, uh, you know, um, Paranoid, you listen to uh, Masters of Reality. There's like a, a rhythm section thing oh, going on there. You know yeah, what I mean? He goes off on those records. Yeah, man. there's like a, a, a the rhythm section is alive on those records. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right. Although, yes, I, but I do really like uh, the bass playing on Heaven and Hell. I think he just he plays he does the songs justice. He has an overplay. Yeah. Um, I think those songs don't need like a bass player going off i'm a fan of yeah. very simplistic bass playing uh, I, i'm not necessarily for. disagreeing with you <laughs> okay but what i'm saying i'm getting like, a little defensive no 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 dude i'm just saying they're different because like, yeah they are you know definitely the the material on heaven and hell calls for just a straightforward meat and potatoes right. just like grinding it out yeah. locking in with the with the drums and it's very of the time because if you I mean in early not, 1980 yeah not that the bass playing on like dio or deep purple or rainbow records from that time is bad by any means. They're great, but they're kind of similar. There's a lot of like just chugging on open E's and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, like later UFO records are like yeah. that, you know, Rainbow. Yeah. In the 70s, I feel like the rhythm sections like let their hair down more and they were like feeling it out more. Oh, yeah. There's like the tempos like drifted and there was more of a groove and a pocket going on than like just like hammering it out. It's right. like very 80s, like, yeah. you know, very, very right. 80s kind of vibe, you know? That's why when I listen to that record, to the bass playing on Heaven and Hell, I feel it's of the time. It's not because like he was lazy with the bass lines, or I just feel like he played what he felt fit the music. Yeah, yeah. but and that's also why it's not. I'm not surprised that another guy laid down the entire. If this is true, right, right. Like this <laughs> is what this guy true. claims. Right. That it's not out of the realm of possibility that this other guy came in and played. A baseline, and then Geezer came in and re-recorded it. No, you know? because no one. If you going back to the first four Sabbath albums, that could never happen. No, like you would never be able to because the bass and the like I said earlier, the bass and the drums are creating their own thing, their own entity. Yes, and to have someone re-record those would be almost impossible, especially with the technology available back then, with you know tape and all that. Sort right, of stuff. right, right. So yeah, but it's an interesting, uh, you know. You know, a little wrinkle in the story to, to think about, you know? Yeah, I mean, another wrinkle, which I don't know if you've read this in uh, the research department, handed down the notes. <laughs> the research department. Uh, handed down me this note, slipped me this note. Um, so I was reading, I don't know where I read it, but Iomi revealed that there is versions of Children of the Sea with Ozzy singing with totally different lyrics and totally different vocal melodies. That's cool. I would like to hear that. Absolutely, I would, man. Tony, if you're listening, <laughs> give it up. I want to hear it. I can't even imagine what that would be like, though, really. Because I'm so used to hearing Dio's version. I know, but here's the thing, too. Does that mean that that song was around back when Ozzy was still in the band? Or was there something where Ozzy got to, was maybe going to sing on this record? I think... That is probably more the case because I, you know, like um, these bands aren't like bands you and I play in. You know what I mean? Where, <laughs> where we're like, okay, no, they're good. Well, they're good. Yeah, <laughs> like where, um, okay, cool. We got, I got this song, so we're gonna play it this weekend. And we go on this, get in the van and drive to like uh, Ohio, and we're like, oh, we're playing a new song tonight. No, uh, these guys, like, I mean, in the seventies when there was like a big industry in heavy music, there's money to be spent on pre-production and. 
I mean, these guys moved to L.A. to make this record from from England, right? Yeah. Oh, I know the feeling. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do that all the time, right? Like they relocated to Los Angeles so they can have like a new vibe for their new album. Right. Rented a mansion, and, on the yeah, beach. rented. Yeah, they yeah. stayed there, and then one of the guys didn't even make it on the album. You know what I mean? So right. they went there to write. Right. So I think that the point that you're making is like, yeah, there was. They probably didn't perform this song in the touring they did with Ozzy, no. but. They wrote this song when Ozzy was there in the house where the mansion with them in L.A. Yeah. When they were, when Iommi was like writing this material, and he's like, you know, Ozzy, come down and cut some vocals, and he, he he recorded the demo of that. Yeah. That's what I think really is probably most likely the scenario, you know. But I still I'd love to hear that. Yeah, I, mean, I want to hear that. You know, maybe I I just can't. But like I said, the uh, the Dio version of the song is like so ingrained into my like. Well. It's like I want the, I'm glad you brought that up because I want to bring this up too. Uh, did Did you ever own? I'm sure you did, or have you heard the live Evil record with Dio doing the Ozzy material? Yeah, of course I do. But I have I have that. Yeah, that I, I still to this day I can't get. It's not that I don't like it; I do like it. But it's so weird to hear someone else yeah. singing the Ozzy songs. I mean. I agree with you 100%. And I, I mean, I don't really like Dio singing Ozzy songs. I don't either. You know, I, mean, I think Dio has a, a superior voice right, to most metal singers. I mean, maybe Dio and Rob Halford, in my opinion, are like the two best heavy metal singers. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, maybe King Diamond's in there. I, I, I would throw Dickinson in there. Yeah, too. Bruce. Bruce Dickinson for yeah. just sheer ability. Right. Sheer classic metal yeah. voices. You know. And um so I mean, the songs, like if you listen, like I said, back to Heaven and Hell, it's like there's melodies. There's like he's not just like coming down on the downbeat. Like there's like a, a, a craftsmanship to the way he put together his vocals. Right. So to have this guy sing the the Cro-Magnon version of I mean Ozzy's ver I love Ozzy man I love his version of the band but it's like very Neanderthal very Cro-Magnon very like primitive you know workmanlike workmanlike there you go <laughs> yeah you know it's like and some of my favorite singers are like that like I love yeah. Celtic Frost and Hellhammer and it's like it's primitive primitive you know yeah. it's got this like brutal like sort of vibe, like savage like vibe to it and that's not really Dio's trip you no. know like no. he's, he's like, like he's like a professional. He's a professional, exactly. Yeah, and, and Ozzy's like a, you know this like workman. I could see like Sabbath practicing, working on a new tune. You know, and Ozzy just gets off work. He's got his lunchbox, <laughs> you know, his hard hat. Yeah, he just walks into the practice space, you know, and just picks up the mic. Or Dio's at home. He's he's practicing. He's wearing a scarf. Yeah, yeah, drinking tea, tea, yeah, stuff like that. Fire. Yes. Yeah, you know, and he's like running through scales and stuff. Right. Like, <laughs> You know, Ozzy's like smoking right before he sings, like that kind of stuff. Ripping a couple nips, yeah, you know, some peppermint schnapps or something. Definitely. So, I mean, that that's um, yeah, I, I'm going to agree. I don't think, I mean, I don't enjoy Dio singing the old old material. You know no. what I mean? No. Another interesting thing is Bill Ward has absolutely no memory <laughs> of recording this record at all. <laughs> that's interesting. I, Maybe I'll have no memory of recording this episode <laughs> in a perfect world. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Why? Does, did he allude to why? Well, you know, th- like, I, like I, you know, I'm, I'm going to make a guess that it had to do with his alcohol and drug abuse. And um, 
you know, these guys get, they get crazy, man. You know, like when, when <laughs> all right. given all this like time and resources and they don't have to like, you know, like, like when you and I have to go in and make an album, we have a very tight schedule. You know what I mean? And, um, <laughs> yeah, like four days, like, like you know, like eight hours to do the guitars or whatever. Right. These guys have months and there's money just being pissed away. And, you know, when you're a drummer, you might finish your drum tracks and you got like fucking nothing to do, man. You know what I mean? And if you're the kind of guy like who's like into like partying and drugs and, you know, that gives you a lot of free time on your hands, man. All right. I understand that. But <laughs> being a guy who's not embarrassed to say, I, you know, I, I like to enjoy myself from time to time, you know, been around the block. Sure. Done my fair share of this and that. I, this I can't think of an instance ever in my life where I couldn't remember what I did the night before. I mean, sure. Oh, I, but you know people who do, though, right? You uh, know people who have blacked out Yeah, and but just I mean, ma- making a, an album, they're in the studio for months, like, probably. Uh, how can you have no recollection of that? That just goes to show you the level of just, like, <laughs> complete, you know... Wow, that's just yeah. I mean, that's another level. Decline. That is another you know I mean? level. Yeah, you know, and like I like we said earlier, like Bill Ward dropped off. You know, he went into some severe, uh, you know, periods of his life, and oh. and this is probably the beginning of those periods for him. You know, yeah, it's crazy. Wow, I, <clears throat> I wish I had no recollection of making some of the records I made. There's some <laughs> actually. I wish I had no recollection of certain just parts of my life actually <laughs> i wish i could just forget about certain things and certain people i know and that kind of stuff but i can't no you can't you're not bill ward so during the tour cycle bill bill ward ended up leaving and uh they recruited Vinny apice to finish the tour who actually ended up joining the band full-time right so he played on the follow-up record to this yeah mob rules yep and uh, and I think I'm saying apathy the right way, right? I've been I, I don't know. I, I some, think so. I have a problem my whole life saying that. So yeah. I don't. I, I mean, it makes sense. It. Like you know, you can, you know, a piece. No. Yeah, some people say a piece. Yeah, but it's like I feel like being in a. He's like an Italian American guy, so you would say a piece, a piece or apathy or a peachy or something like that. That sounds like the correct way of pronouncing his last name. You know, Carmine a peachy. Carmine. Right. He's an Italian from. Uh, Played in Cactus. Cactus, yep. Vanilla Fudge. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's crazy to have two guys, brothers. Yeah. Phenomenal drummers. Yeah. You would think that one of them would have played bass, you know, or something like that. Yeah, right? you would think. Yeah. So um, the funny thing about Bill Ward leaving the tour is apparently, according to Ronnie James Dio, he got a phone call from Bill Ward and he was like, I'm out or I'm gone or I'm, I'm off. He said, I'm off. <laughs> I'm off? Yeah. He's like, I'm off. So Ronnie's like, Oh, right on, man. Where are you going? Where, where are you off to? He's like, no, I'm off the tour. And he was calling him from the airport, and he was flying back to England. That's how he quit the band. <laughs> you think he would call Tony Iommi, a guy he's been in the band with for years. But you know how people are. You know <laughs> what I'm trying to say? Yeah. It's yeah. like maybe Tony Iommi was like Greg Ginn, the kind of dude who like ran the ship with like an iron fist. Right. And, and Tony Iommi apparently... Is kind of is kind of a bit of a lad. Like he's like a throwdown sort of British guy, apparently, because he's a big dude. You know, he's like yeah. one of these like British like roughneck 
like probably would like punch you like that kind of guy <laughs> like working class like birmingham you right. know so maybe bill ward might have been a little intimidated by tony tony iomi all right because he, he does cut an impressive figure tony iomi i would be yeah yeah so maybe he's like oh man you know he's gonna if i tell this to tony he's gonna find me and beat me up or something so i'm gonna tell the new guy Ronnie Dio, that I'm not coming back to the tour. I'm flying back to England. Instead of telling the guy the imposing figure. Exactly. Have you had any experience with that? What's that? People just leaving like that in my life? And not telling you? Did they quit the band and didn't tell me? Um, No. Not not that I know of. (laughs) Unless you know something I don't know. No. I'm just saying, you know, I'm making the comparison, you know, big imposing guitar player no one wants to deal with. You know, in my lifetime, my experience, I've had people like quit without them actually knowing that they quit and me <laughs> having to like expedite them leaving the band because they didn't realize that they were quitting. If that makes any sense to you at all. It, well, because I know the story. <laughs> it makes sense to me. Well, I'm sorry. I mean, to get us off track there. It all fits together, though. It does. Yeah. You know what I mean? I could see where someone wouldn't want to talk to you. Maybe you know, maybe they'll call they want to talk to the drummer, you know. Not you. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Allegedly. Allegedly. Maybe. Yeah. But uh but yeah, so the um the artwork for this record's pretty cool. It was taken from a painting by artist Lynn Curley called Smoking Angels, inspired by a nineteen twenty eight photograph of women dressed as angels smoking backstage. During a break at a college pageant. Hmm. What do you think of that? It's interesting. I mean, I always picture that cover as a painting. It was taken from a painting. I didn't know that, but I always uh, envisioned that. But the rest of it's pretty interesting. That's yeah. not what I was thinking. So, what were you thinking? I, I don't know. That's just some angels smoking. You know, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think there was more to it. Backstage at a college pageant. Yeah, whatever that means. Whatever that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I never. Yeah, that I never thought of. Yeah. So, in your opinion, do you have any uh, any standout tracks on this album? Yeah, definitely. I gotta go with Neon Nights. Okay. I mean, that's talk about an album coming out of the box, just like swinging, man. That's it. Just there's no intro. There's no like cool like acoustic, you know. It just bang, and you're on the ride. Yeah, which I think is great, awesome. Um, Die Young. That's that's coincidentally those are their singles, those are put they out are. there as singles. Yeah, maybe I should be an A and R guy. Yeah, uh, yeah, just a great song and everything about that song I love. But my jam, my favorite track is the title track. Yeah, Heaven and Hell. Yeah, I just undeniably probably one of the top ten best heavy metal songs ever, in my opinion. Yeah. The um actually those those are the my my two favorites are Neon Nights and Heaven and Hell, and the rest are sort of great but sort of just in there you know what i mean another one of these records where to me there's not a weak song but that's why it's a classic record yeah what do you think of mob rules after this one i love mob rules great right yeah i love it i think it's great yeah Uh, did you um you ever get into uh born again the ian gillen record yes what do you think of that one my first i love it now my first time a few times hearing that record i was like wow this record sounds like absolute shit like I've heard like hardcore band demos yeah. from like '86 that sound better, but it, the more I listened to it, the more it grew on me. Uh, 
it just is a very unique record. It's a very dirty, gritty, weird production. Most people hate the production on it, I think. It's kind of grown on me. Um, I like it. Um, when I when I first discovered back in the day when I was a kid that um, Ian Gillen was going to be singing a Black Sabbath. Well, first I was disappointed that Dio wasn't in the band anymore because right. I loved Ronnie James Dio. And I was a, I'm always, and to this day, still am a very big fan of Deep Purple's music. Oh, me too. Specifically the Ian Gillen version of yeah. the band. Yeah. So I was like, oh man, great. I love Deep Purple. Um, you know, what a, what a great combo. Deep Purple <laughs> and Black Sabbath. That's great. That's everything. My, you know, be amazing, right? I remember buying the, the LP, the vinyl, and um, the cover was cool. There was like this red yeah. devil baby on it. The yeah, purple yeah. background. It was like really cool looking. I like to get a shirt like that actually. I think like a Sabbath, like uh, I've seen them out around. Yeah, I've yeah. seen them around They're too. Out right, there. that'd be a cool T-shirt. Though. Yeah, and not maybe not on purple. No. Purple's not really my color. Yellow, know? maybe for you. Yellow, pink. <laughs> I don't know. But um, and I was not really into it, man. At first, I mean, I've grown to like it. You Same know? here. Yeah, but it's not. It doesn't. It goes into the 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 beginning of like the that no man's land period. It's like the descent in the nineties. You know, Sabbath put out records in the 90s, which I'm sure you're aware of. Yeah, well, one more thing about uh, Born Again. Now, that sounds like a record that someone would forget they made. <laughs> and not, and I like it. Yeah, yeah. But it just sounds like it's well, maybe like the focus wasn't there, you know. Maybe more so than even the production than the playing. But um, what about... Dehumanizer. I like that one. They came back with that one, and that's a record. A lot of people sleep on that record. I, I think it's great. Yeah, like we've talked about this before too, yeah. man. Like, there's like I forgot what song it is, but it sounds like a leeway song. There's a song <laughs> on that record that's like a crossover thrash song, and it yeah. came out in like the '90s. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that record a lot. Yeah, but uh, you know that it Born Again was definitely a disappointment for me. And as time went on, I had grown to appreciate it. You know, as like most things, you. you you know, time, you revisit sure. stuff. But the, uh, that was like the beginning of like the kind of descent into the nineties. Yeah. Where Sabbath really just barely existed in some ways. I mean, they toured cause I remember hearing about, there was like the headless cross record and, uh, it was like Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. Yeah. Se- uh, seventh, it's not seventh seal. Tier T Y R was another record. Yeah. 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 Seventh Star, maybe that, that sounds like I think that was so, the Tony yeah. Iommi's Black Sabbath. Yeah, yeah, man, I've sampled all that stuff because yeah. I'm a huge Iommi and Sabbath fan, but I can hang with Born Again, Dehumanizer, all that stuff, other stuff, man, with uh, the other singers and stuff. I never really found. I'm sure there's some gems hidden in there somewhere to spend the time one day. You know? Yeah, well, that's the beautiful beauty of uh, stuff like Apple Music or whatever, right? You can just like sample all this stuff without right. laying any money down, really. You know, just if you don't like it, you can listen to it again. Yeah. A lot of the uh, kids today, you know, they weren't around when we were. Like, if you want to sample a uh, a record, you had to go spend, you know, $13 for it. We had to convince your friend to buy it. <laughs> tape it <laughs> off it of him. him. Yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, there's a couple, a couple, it's not the worst, the, that period. But, you know, I remember, um, you know, just a quick story about the era, the, the days when there was Tony Iommi only pretty much in the band. Right. It was sometime in the 90s that uh, Black Sabbath actually played at the Orpheum. 
which is like a small theater yeah. in Boston. Yeah, I've been there, yep. And it was, I didn't even go to the show because I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know what I mean? It's like, and it was billed as Black Sabbath featuring Tony Iommi. Right. Because apparently the, the reason why heaven and hell exists is that they're, you know, Sharon Osbourne caught wind of this whole thing and realized apparently that this is something of a legal issue. So legally, they, Iommi couldn't use the Black Sabbath name. And that's why they had to put those heaven and hell records out, which are great. I love those albums. Yeah, yeah. But this is prior to that um, litigation or right. whatever you want right. to call it, for lack of a better term. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I, I didn't even go to the show, and they played it like a, I don't even know, like an 800 capacity room, you know? <laughs> and or I don't know what the, I don't even know if the Orpheum still exists anymore. It, uh, yeah, it does. Yeah, it's yeah. a thousand people maybe. Yeah, I seen Nick Cave there a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah. So I, they played there. And now, you know, it's crazy. Decades later, or a decade later, they're playing these massive, you know, farewell shows and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it, man. Heaven and Hell, Black Sabbath. Another one, another entry into the classic records here at Metal Matters. You've been listening to Metal Matters, a Gimme Radio podcast. We'll be back next week, so be sure to subscribe and never miss out. Also, be sure to check out Gimme Radio via web, iOS, or Android for one of the best metal communities in the world, exclusive interviews and merch, and so much more.